Hello and welcome to The Fandamentalist, the fandom podcast investigating all aspects of geeky media, very occasionally. Oh no, this is all my fault. There's something else at the core of my unhappiness that, that I didn't realize. When did that become a bad thing? I'm not dead. It seems I'm the only one with a mind of my own. Go, go. I would not wish you back again. I am not going to dump another thousand-year-old complex on you or anybody else. Welcome to the I Disappoint Dad Club. That theme song you just heard is Good Riddance by R. Sonar, which is available for you on the free music archive. My name is Kylie, and here with me are Gretchen. Hello. And Julia. Hi. The three of us write for thefundamentals.com, well, the website for fundamentally sound fandom analysis. Hey, hey, not in theory. <laughs> we just wrote a special exclusive Fundamentals Plus article about our 2019 media hopes and dreams. We yes, we did. Guess what, readers of the Fundamentals.com? Did you know that for less than a price of a latte every single month, you too can become a Fundamentals Pluser and have access to exclusive podcasts, essays, store discounts, and live hangouts? Yes, you get all of that, and it's it's great. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you're interested in subscribing, please navigate to thefandamentals.com. You'll see an FM Plus button on the homepage. You click it and it gives you directions how to subscribe. You could do annually or monthly, whatever is easiest for you. And that helps us run the website. Yeah. Okay. Hey, when is the last time we talked? Like Um, a month ago? Let's not talk about that. I think it was like two months ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so uh, this podcast, if you guys have been a fan of it for a while, um, we would be releasing bi-weekly episodes fairly consistently. And you may have noticed, but since I launched season three, which I, was, <laughs> I still don't really know why we're in season three, but we are, um, it's been really, it's really interesting. Because we're Steven Universe fans. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Random, random season breaks, long hiatuses. Remember when there was a random season break in the middle of a Steven bomb? Yes, <laughs> yes we've become Cartoon Network, which was one of the things Damn that it. we whined about on that 2019 <laughs> list. We have become that which we hate. <laughs> ah. Well, the truth is, the three of us are just very busy. We actually had an episode called The Busiest Beavers recently <laughs> where we talked about it. And it's not getting better. It's actually getting way worse, which is not a bad thing like it's good that we've got personal stuff going on but it means we're like productive members of society yeah but it does mean our capacity to sit down find time to record with each other and then for me to kind of frantically edit everything Mm. is limited so and our ability to like consume media to talk about is getting limited even yeah that's the bigger thing too it's like we just don't feel that we have intelligent things to say all the time and we definitely have more ideas maybe we two of us watch a movie and talk the third person through it again like we did Mm -hmm. that was a good episode with solo um but we're just not going to be as regular anymore we will be irregular (laughs) 
However, we have no intent of ending the podcast. The three of us very much like each other and like sitting down to chat about media. It's just when we can and when we feel like we have something worth listening to. Uh, so with that, if you have suggestions for what you would like to hear us talk about, please let us know, uh, the comments of this post or, you know, if you find us on social media, just pitch some ideas and, and some of them might work. Also, pardon me. I'm still sick. Um, so I've got my, uh, deep man voice, my man voice, or I don't know, my, my sexy voice, whatever you want to call it. Uh, my voice is definitely lower than it normally is. That was um, the plot of a Friends episode. What? What? Man voice? <laughs> yeah, no, um, sexy Phoebe, voice. Phoebe was sick and oh, her yeah. sexy lower voice was good for singing. Yes, I remember that. She was actually a good singer in that episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be more pleasant for podcasts. I don't know. If you yes. guys like Gretchen's sick voice, let us know that too, and we'll oh work gosh. on getting her more germs. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't want more germs. I hate being sick. You should teach it's young gross. children. <gasps> I just realized what I could talk about for the fun segment. All right, I'm psyched. Hey, this episode today, we are finally going to sit down and chat about She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Yay! Woo! Then, because the holiday season just ended, we are going to have a fun segment. Did we get any media presence or not yeah lumps of coal media lumps of coal right that's the opposite of presence yes and in our last segment we're just going to talk about kind of general fandomy stuff inspired by some asks that i got on tumblr so one is about stay in your lane casting particularly with regards to marginalized uh, identities one is bad rep versus no representation And the last, if we get to it, is going to be responding to creator improvement. Like, how do we handle someone who's flawed, but making an effort to get better? As opposed to the opposite way. Exactly. (laughs) Once you go down the JK Rowling path, forever it will dominate your destiny. Oh my gosh. Uh, But before we get into any of that, we have some fandom news. Hooray! Speaking of Steven Universe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, what episode behind? I haven't watched the latest one. I haven't watched it yet either. Oh, it's good. But yeah, um, Bo promised me Martell's. Yes. I wasn't watching it with that lens. Gretchen. But sure. How do you ever turn that lens off? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Steven does have like a bitchin' costume change. I will say that. Yes. And I, there's a new fusion in the new episode, and I am very excited because there have been some, uh, complaints that, uh, Steven Universe is, like, glossing over the diamonds. Oh, yeah, the fascism apology? Yes. And, (laughs) and surprise, surprise, it's not. Yeah, Um, wow. Can we get any more insight into the house elves? The Into the what? Episode, the house elves. Oh, the little pebbles. Yeah. Um, so they are. Oh, they're pebbles. That makes sense. Yeah, that's what that's what they call themselves. Pebbles. Oh. Um, okay. I don't think particularly. Wow. I do like this trend of adults watching children's media where it's like, let's try to forgive each other. It's like fascism apology. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Maybe step back and look at what the message is. Just a little bit. Right. They, they are kind of fascist, but... Well, they are, and it <laughs> sounds like the show knows that, but I'm just yeah. saying in, in general, like, I've seen 
like Aang has come under criticism recently in Avatar The Last Airbender for like, I don't want to kill someone because of my culture. Yeah. And they're like, oh, oh. doesn't he know that it's a fascist dictator? <laughs> well, or I mean, even just, he's willing to punch him. Right. Or even just for you. Like the idea that like, oh, they're family now. That means everything they did is okay. And it's like, no, kind yeah. of, kind of the whole point is like, sometimes your family is awful. And you have to know how to deal with the fact that it's not just some, like, distant stranger that you can, you know, easily attack and dismiss. Sometimes your family is the shitty one. Yeah. And you got to deal with that. It's actually a good transition into CW's Batwoman because the pilot (laughs) was ordered. I I think they're going to do something with Jacob. Like, Jacob is Kate's father to make that more of an antagonistic relationship than what's in the comics, which I'm not thrilled about but i think it could be something but the yeah. pilot was officially ordered by the cw after her guest appearance in that crossover which i still haven't watched uh <laughs> and either. it's uh, apparently she was like fine griffin watched it and he's like yeah it was it was fine like the fine but the pilot is going to be directed by none other than david it would have been gratuitous nutter of Yay! game of thrones oh my gosh um of the Game of Thrones directors, he's like, he's not Alex Graves. Like, yeah. it's fine. He's one of the more competent directors, and he's one of the ones that was less defensive of the show. Like, he's not the plausible impossibilities guy, but he is the guy Who's that the plausible opted- impossibilities guy? Oh, God, I don't remember. He was a season seven dude. Um, that, like, I think he had only done season seven stuff. And then there's also um Podeswa, who had, like, filmed and bowed and bent and broken and had comments about that, too. David Nutter is just the one who opted to have Talisa get stabbed in the pregnant stomach to sure open the Red the Wedding. I don't think that was his choice. Probably. Because David Nutter also filmed the Misa scene with uh-huh. Danny as the one speck of white, but that oh. was very, very clearly in the script, as we just found out recently. So. Oh. Um, and he made the comment that was like, it would have been gratuitous to show Stannis's death after showing us Talisa in gory detail. Thank you. Okay. And in this, in the same episode, they had the, what's his face getting his eyes gouged out, right? Like, honestly, mm. this guy's probably going to be fine for CW Batwoman. I'm not that worried about it. It's, it's going to come down to the writing, but like, of yeah. course, of course it's David Nutter. Sure. <sighs> I can't get away from this. Um, speaking of things I don't want to get away from that bad transition <laughs> the McElroy family is now writing for marvel there's going to be a five issue limited series called war of the realms journey into mystery and it's hmm. coming out in april so is any it, is fans it of the McElroys? A, is it gonna be a thor prequel sounds like it's gonna be a thor prequel from the i think it's a standalone yeah i don't know I can't, I don't recognize any of these characters. I don't, wait, no, that's not a standalone. That looks like a spidery dude. Spidery dude. Yeah, I'm just looking at the cover. I don't know. I don't know Marvel well enough because I don't yeah. care, but the McElroys are funny and creative and Well, nice, that's, so. um, oh, I recognize, I recognize one of the characters on the cover too, the one with the bow and arrow. Yeah, who is that? <laughs> I don't remember. I've seen her before and I was like, shit. Okay, we know nothing about Marvel. <laughs> right. I don't um, recognize anybody else, though. People we wish we didn't recognize include Louis C.K. Oh, oh gosh. Decided to come back and spring oh. himself on another, co- uh, I think, the comedy seller again. And it was better some- than Kevin Spacey springing himself on YouTube. 
Good oh, Lord. remember that? I don't think it's actually better because Louis C.K.'s audio, he was like making jokes about Parkland shooting victims and transgender identity. Like that was his material. Uh, well, yeah, maybe like if he wants to like come back eventually and show us how rehabilitated he is, maybe he should like start with something more basic, like mother-in-law jokes or something. I don't think like- he wants to come back, though. And like as rehabilitated, I mean. Like, what I don't get is that he used to be, like, fairly, for a while, he was, like, pushing the boundaries of, like, I guess, liberal comedy. Um, And now he just sounds like he's, like, a right-wing, you know, whatever. Like, who makes jokes about the Parkland kids and, like, gender identity? Like, that sounds like he's, like, a... It doesn't sound like so- it. I don't oh, know. It was sure really there's unexpected. There's a way of doing it that's punching up, but these no, are doing it that. Was, it was definitely like I, w- I read an I mean, article. You probably about have it, to be a much, but a much more talented comedian than me to make jokes about Parkland victims and still be punching up. But I'm sure it's possible. Like um, he was, he was like the. I read, I read an article about it where they transcribed part of it, and it was taught, and it was, you know, the jokes were about like why should we listen to them. Just because they survived a school shooting doesn't mean they have anything to say. Like, you know, they're still kids or whatever. And the whole thing about gender identity was, like, he was making fun of, like, people having their own pronouns. Yeah, because he was like, kids are boring these days. They tell you what to call them rather than doing jello shots. What? (laughs) Right. It was like, why why aren't they partying more? Yes, millennials ruin everything. Whatever. It's, it's Gen X or, or Zers in that case, but Ugh. yeah, I don't know. He just sounds like old man yelling at clouds yeah. now. It's it's yeah. bad. It's really bad. Next, he'll be telling us that if we didn't spend so much money on avocado toast, we could afford our own houses. Right. It, it's oh just so weird. <laughs> Speaking of so weird, there is a choose your own adventure episode on Netflix yeah. for the show Black Mirror, and people seemed cool with it. Did anyone how try do, that? How does that work? Um, you can like click like options, and you you yeah. click with your remote. I'm guessing I don't oh. watch Black Mirror. Huh? I don't watch it either. I don't know if I should watch Black Mirror either because I'm either told very strongly yes or no, and there's no opinions in the middle. So, yeah. Yeah, one of us should probably watch that at one point. One I- thing I think we all will be watching though. Yes. Yes. Men in Black with Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. The trailer <laughs> yes, drop. absolutely. Yay. Oh, like my gosh. Really funny. <laughs> I'm so excited for this. So excited. I, I think th- I think they have a really good dynamic. I think it'll be fun. Oh, yeah. They were great to get, like, they had really good chemistry, like, on-screen chemistry together in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Where was she during Infinity War? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Bathroom think, break. Yeah. I think she came out on top of that one. Yes. Um. There was also a first look at the live-action Aladdin, and the internet got real weird about it and was like, these costumes look tacky, and it's like, this is cultural garb. Like, what? What? I don't understand. I thought they looked fine. I, yeah, I thought, I really liked some of the costume choices. I thought they looked great. Set pictures always look a little weird and sort of cosplay-y like i'm thinking of the batwoman pictures too that were released when the lighting isn't as it's going to be but i thought that i thought this looked good it looked vibrant and it looked nice yeah the the biggest controversy is that uh, aladdin had a shirt on under his vest but you know (laughs) 
<laughs> Which is super Did funny. Did he have a tiny he... little fez that was perched precariously on his head? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Did the monkey so, have a fez? Like, I think so. I actually think so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's he has nipples now. So Oh, Abu? No, Aladdin. Oh, if you, right, like, right. If you if you watch the original Aladdin, like he clearly doesn't have nipples. That was that's a weird call. All right. Well, either way, I think it. I think it looks like it could be good. I I, I don't really know why live action Disney is so such a popular thing, but it is. So yeah. yep, this one might be worth checking out, or it might not. I don't know. But I don't think we can tell from cast from set pictures. You know. Right. Agreed. Okay, so um, Bumblebee. Nobody saw that. Nobody <laughs> saw it, but apparently, apparently it was like a really decent Transformers film. I mean, I think that people are sick of Transformers. That would be my well, guess. I saw a tweet that was like, if you give people ketchup, uh, ketchup on pasta, and then you suddenly whip out like the best marinara sauce, of course they're not going to keep eating it. Like, yeah, right. Um, so I, I heard it was a kind of good movie. I heard it was a little shape of watery. Oh. <laughs> In terms of like a romance between the lead and Bumblebee. What? Oh, what an odd choice. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched it myself, but Why no one saw it. Why does a robot have a, a sex drive? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, look, Transformers is the franchise where Harriet Tubman worked with the Transformers for the Underground Railroad. So. What? Oh. Okay. So, like, I'm sorry, a love story does not seem like that weird of a thing. Was there a love story of Harriet Tubman? Uh, no. No? I, no, that, the Harriet Tubman was from a different Transformers movie. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, it might be worth checking out. Maybe you should do it. <laughs> uh, you should also probably check out Into the Spider-Verse. I'm trying to see it either this weekend or next weekend. It's apparently hilarious. Oh, it's hilarious. I've heard really good things about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've only heard good things. Did you see it, Joya? No, I haven't. Ah. Um, oh, hey, really, really good news. <laughs> Johnny Depp was written out of Pirates of the Caribbean. That was Ray. one of my Christmas wishes, but for a different franchise. Ah. Yeah, no, he's going to be Grindelwald forever. <sighs> uh, no, they can just melt his face back into what's-his-face. Colin. Colin Farrell. Farrell. They can just yeah. melt his face again. It'll be fine. Um, I don't honestly think him being written out of Pirates of the Caribbean was like who d- whoever the production company is making a good decision. I think it was just like, he was getting hey, we're losing probably. money yeah. and he's $90 million, so let's cut him. Well, you know, he's got a lot of wine to drink. That shit's expensive. Yeah, yeah but I mean, are that they still making more Pirates of the Caribbean ago. movies? Of course they are. They're going to keep making Oh my them. gosh. It's like the Simpsons at this point. more. No, that that movie stopped working after the first one. Like, sorry, that franchise. Um, I didn't think okay. the first one was all that good either. The first one was fine. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, was fine. fine. Just fine. I did not see franchise potential, but whatever. However, I do see franchise potential <laughs> in Carmen Sandiego, the TV show dropping on the 18th of this month. I am so hyped. My background is all Carmen Sandiego pictures now because <laughs> I thought that like she just looks so good and it looks so good and we're getting a movie and I'm so excited about Carmen Sandiego and she's going to be stealing from museums to give 
the artifacts back to the cultures they belong to. It sounds so good. Cha- it, it's chaotic good, Carmen Sandiego. Yes. I'm so happy. I'm so I'm excited. so excited. Yeah. The only thing yep. they could do to make it better is if she's queer and then all my dreams will come true, but it's all right, even if she's not, because we all have that strong jawline to look to. So, yes, Carmen. <laughs> That's the best thing happening in this month. Yes in this month but do you guys want to talk about the best thing that was happening in last month sure last month two months ago what year is it oh wait it's 2019 (laughs) yes let's talk about she-ra 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 you wearing a coat in this heat a lady needs her tools okay raise your hand if you watched she-ra in the 80s I am not raising my hand, and this is audio recording. (laughs) I didn't didn't watch it back then either. I I, I watched a little bit of He-Man, I recall. I don't remember if I, like, that was, like, just right when I was, like, becoming aware of my surroundings and also immigrating. Yeah, I was born in 1989. (laughs) I know the He-Man meme. Yeah, I, I remember when we first came to Canada, my cousin was really into He-Man. He's like seven or eight years older than me, and I thought he was the coolest person ever. And he watched Yeah, He-Man. that was more like, my sister is six and a half years older than me, and she was yeah. really into She-Ra. So yeah. I think it was like a little bit before my time, and I was born in 85. So um, She-Ra is an 80s cartoon in that it was designed to sell toys and yes. save money, and all yeah. the female models are identical. Yep. <laughs> and, and like, it's the kind of cartoon where like, when they talk, only their mouth moves, and like yes. nothing else. And yep. it's, like, really creepy. So what is this She-Ra that we're talking about? It is none of those things. Um, okay, so... Ha. Huh. How do we talk about the premise of She-Ra? Okay, so there's this planet called Eternia that seems to contain several competing civilizations on it. And there's this chick called Aurora. Adora, sorry. Not Aurora. That's from Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> and she is like from the horde the evil horde the evil horde the evil horde are the people who live in the uh some kind of zone it's the fright zone the fright zone i saw this right when it came out so that was like three months ago <laughs> okay yeah fair yeah so the horde lives in the fright zone and there's this like kind of like boogeyman stories that all the horde People talk about these, like, the worst thing that can possibly happen to you is a fight with a princess. They're super scared of these princesses. Mm-hmm. Right? And they, like, um, Adora and her BFF, Katra, are, like, in this kind of child soldier setup. Yep. Katra is a furry who curls up on the foot of her bed every night. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm she, sorry, there's no other way to describe her. Yeah, she, yeah. She, she, she's a cat girl. <laughs> yeah, she's no, a like, cat girl. Yeah. They've confirmed that she's furry all over. Yeah. Yeah. But like she's like there's there's like several species on this planet, right? Like there's like Adora yeah. seems to be humanesque. And yeah, there's the these, like, uh, one horse soldier who has like lobster claws. Yeah, and then you have like Scorpia. I'm sorry, Scorpia. scorpion claws. Yeah, and you have like a lizard guy, kind of looks like a gorn. Like mm-hmm. there's all sorts of different species here. Yeah. The world building's real weird. Yeah, so, like, Katra and Adora go on this, like, misadventure, and she ends up, like, meeting these princesses, 
and they like uh, yeah kind of like I'm, I'm trying th- to be these like, are very broad strokes yeah i'm or- trying to be spoiler free but also set it up and she There's starts to question sword. yeah yeah she finds a glowy sword yes and she starts to question kind of like whether or not the evil horde is really the right place for her <laughs> and she finds this glowy sword and there are some indications that maybe perhaps she has a magical destiny Yes. And she does. She she definitely this has isn't a that magical spoiler. Dust. She transforms into Shira in the first yeah. episode. Yes, and yeah, it's kind of like an Avatar thing. Like mm-hmm. there's a long line of Shiras, and there's this like mysterious ancient civilization that she's connected to. Yeah, and the princesses are like these powerful beings of some kind that have magic that's clearly technology, like Clark's Law, right? And um, sure. I didn't really think about it like that. I mean, yeah. some of them just seem, like, Perfuma just seemed to have magic. Yeah, but, like, it's all kind of connected to, like, the Avatar Pandora-esque nature oh, of the yeah, planet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, in that sense. And the and the thing is, the princesses all have their own kingdoms, and it's kind of um Adventure Time-esque in that yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. And they've retreated sort of into their own kingdoms and are just working on protecting yeah. themselves yeah, they, from they, the horde. There used to be, like, a princess alliance. Yeah. And the show is basically just de- She-Ra defects and wants to yeah, get she wants the princess to unite all the don't. princesses. Yeah. yeah, there's a princess prom. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, her best friend is named Glimmer. Her new best friend because yeah, Katja friend. stays with the horde. Uh, Glimmer is her new best friend who is also a princess, and she yeah. has the power of teleportation. And yeah. they also have the friend Bo, spelled B O W, and he yeah. is he's an archer. An he's got a heart. archer in a half shirt. Yeah, I think like Glimmer is like because her mom's like is her mom a princess or is her mom like yeah her mom's yeah. like a queen yeah but like a princess is like a species in this universe. Her um, mom has magic power. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like and her, but her like was her dad a princess or was her dad just some dude? I don't think we know. He yeah. was a sorcerer. A sorcerer. Yeah, because there's all these sorcerers too. Oh my gosh, there's so much stuff in this show. <laughs> anyway, that's that's the premise. Yeah. Uh, the show is also the showrunner, the creator is Noelle Stevenson, who um, you might know from Nimona or Lumberjanes. She's just very talented, and like the entire staff is millennials. It's yep. great. Uh, and you Heather from Crazy Ex Girlfriend is there. <laughs> Yeah, all sorts of nerd references throughout yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, Vela Lavelle is uh, Princess Mermista. Is that yeah. her name? But she's like playing the exact same character. She plays the craziest it, girlfriend. Yeah, and if you actually look at the cast of the voice actors, it's fairly diverse too. Yeah. It's not like yep. as amazing as Steven Universe, but it's it's pretty good. Yep. Um. Yeah. It's delightful. The internet hates it, or part of the internet. Part of the internet absolutely adores it. <laughs> Exactly the parts of the internet you think would adore it, adore it. Exactly the part. It's kind of like The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. It's exactly like The Last Jedi. Yeah, well, because all, all these like nerdy, gatekeepery men hated it as soon as the concept art was released. Because yeah. they're like, oh, why does Shira not look as sexified as she was in the 80s? Because she's like, like 12. <laughs> she's like also, 15 like, or 16 yeah. years old. <laughs> There's no way that these people even thought about She-Ra for no. the past decade. Like, yeah. no one cared. So. No, but, like, what? like one of the major differences is that She-Ra in the original was a grown woman. And every single character was one character model. We discussed that already. And the She-Ra well, is much younger. Because they're really exploring. Was... Yeah, they're exploring the whole child soldier thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
I really love the world building on this show. Mm, I think it's not like we don't know everything about it yet, but I love ancient tech mixed in with magical destiny stuff. It's very um, Legend of Zelda, like specifically in a Breath Mm. of the Wild way, which you guys know I've been playing. Oh, my son started playing that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. It's so good. But that just, that just made me so happy. Mm. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's I, I like the whole separate kingdoms with princesses things. I liked mm-hmm. that about Adventure Time, but I like that it's actually a little more cohesive and point like there's a point to it in this one. And yeah. I mean the this yeah. cohesion of Adventure Time is a feature, not a bug, but Well, yeah, I agree. Um I just like that it's yeah. you know, explored in this way now. And I hope that there's a pancake princess or a breakfast princess. <laughs> um <sighs> Yeah, what what did you guys think? Just an initial thoughts on it, I guess. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, like, it's one of the, like, I like it when people take something, like, really, really based. Like, that's what I really liked about Battlestar Galactica. Like, Battlestar Galactica in the 70s was so, like, I don't want to say basic again. But it was just kind of like, oh, it's a space adventure, and it didn't have much depth to it at all. But then, like, when they did the reboot in the early aughts, they really tried to like really build on a very kind of scaffoldy foundation. And she has done yeah. something very similar. Like, you know, like it was a show that was made to sell toys and, you know, the characters were paper thin. The plots were just an excuse for them to put something on the screen. And they tried to really take that and like think through, okay, what exactly are the implications of this world? And like, what would that actually mean for a fully developed person? <laughs> to yeah. navigate their way through this. It's like big fix-it fic for yeah. this poorly developed universe from the 80s. Yeah. Um, Gretchen, what did you think? Um, I really liked it. I think they made some very uh, pointed, like, political references. Um you know, like they, the, the yeah. horde is focused on law and order. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fascism. And, right. Um, sorry. So it's just like, I, I did really, really enjoy it. It was not a show. I mean, I didn't really know much about it. Um, because it was more my sister's like era of show, but I did really like the world building. I think, um, in terms of like the the way that they dealt with they started it from the horde's perspective which i thought was a really interesting choice yeah to start from like within kind of the bad guys and see what it's like for the characters in that yeah i mean that was very i think that was very important thema- uh like thematically just like right it humanizes certain antagonists in a in a way that i think is very interesting yeah and and as you said too, Julia, like it puts the child soldier thing front and center. Like we know that Katra and Adora from the start are surviving this weird battle simulation thing. Like it, we, we can tell this isn't healthy. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's good. I, I will say, I think the greatest strength of Shira is actually Adora herself. Um, I like that she's awkward and has, like freaked out reactions to everything that happens. Right. So when she first turns into Shiro, she's like, what the hell? Why was I wearing a tiara? And it's great. <laughs> and her personality and just her, 
I don't even know what it is. It's not like vulnerability. It's just her kind of like candor at all times. That's why I kept clicking on to episode two more than anything else. I just think she's very, very well written. Um, yeah, she's very like, she's very earnest. Yeah. In a way that like a lot of shows don't let the protagonists be anymore because they think it's cheesy or something. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she like doesn't know enough to not be earnest because yeah. she's conditioned. So w- when they first call the, and she also the evil just, like, horde, she's like, who the, says she also yeah. wants to do the right thing all the time? Yeah. Cause like when, when they, when she first runs into Bow and Glimmer and they're like, Oh, it's the evil horde. She goes, who calls it that? They're like, everyone. Yeah. Like, what? Um, but no, everything about her is delightful. You can tell that she, tell that she's still conditioned. She has PTSD. She's, she um, you has know, the need to control everything. <laughs> She treats the princess prom like a battle. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Or even just like her reactions to like, I, one of my favorite episodes was the one where she meets the horse and she just like she freaks out. <laughs> yeah. She's just like obsessed with the horse and chasing it around the whole time. I like that the horse comes and talks to her. Yeah. And it's like, horsey was a stupid name. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It kind of has like a thing where it wants to liberate all the horses. It's yes. a funny show. Like it, it is, is a funny show. I would. I didn't know how to feel about Glimmer's character, and then it was like, "Oh, mom, I could do this." So I was like, oh, "Okay, I'm on board." <laughs> yeah, this is funny, and Bo yeah. is great. Oh yeah, my gosh, I, I love Bo. I love Bo so much. Yeah, Bo is Bo is my. I just love him. And they like uh, lampshade the whole thing. How he's the only boy. <laughs> yep. He's like everyone around here is a princess except for me. <laughs> oh, there's also that um dude that Mermista is dating. Ooh. Oh my god! Like the same kind of Captain Flash or something. Um, I actually that's really a like, black alley, but is yeah, it like also, Seahawk? Like or yeah, something stu- like something Dark Star esque. Yeah. Um, let's just talk full spoilers too. Yes. Like I'm yeah, just going to put that warning, guys. You can skip the rest of the section if you don't want it, but we can't talk around it really. Yeah. Um, but I was just going to say, like, I really, really liked Entrapta. Um, even with her defecting, it's it's out of scientific interest i don't love some of those implications but yeah i mean yeah like those implications are kind of because she's like very she's the only character who's coded as as neurodivergent yeah and she's very very strongly coded as autistic or somewhere on the spectrum and it's like she defects kind of like because she's going with the flow so much like you kind of get there's there's a little bit where like she's upset that her friends left her because they thought she was dead, but it's mostly just because like oh something shiny for me to tinker with. I guess I'll stay here with you guys. Like you know, yeah. Even her like destruction of the Earth almost you could tell that was just like it, it wasn't. She just wanted to do the science, yeah. and push it. Like it wasn't with any. I don't know. Like investment like yeah like i, I never thought of her investment. as defecting she just yeah. like happened to be with the bad guys now like, yeah right but it, it does suck because she's definitely the only one coded neurodivergent i mean we know that um adora and cat have ptsd but that's quite a bit different and explored too um but yeah let's talk about katra <laughs> a little bit because she seems to be the tumblr darling yes i mean she's um definitely coded in a certain way like, she shows up to the princess prom in a suit. <laughs> oh, well, Noelle Stevenson, the showrunner, has said of her comics, at least, just assume everyone's gay unless I tell you otherwise. Yeah. Oh, so it's like Carmella. Okay. 
Yeah, so I think they're all kind of coded in a certain way. Oh, yeah, way. absolutely. Catra especially, and uh, Scorpia, I'd say, too. Yeah. So there's, there is, like, yes, she seems to be, you know, interested in women, Catra. Uh, or girls. How many, old are they? 16? Like, yeah. There's not very many men around, to tell you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. The universe like, definitely skewed a certain way. But it's, it's not just that, too. Catra is, you know, she's a conditioned child soldier who is right now the antagonist, but she obviously very much cares for Adora. Like, mm-hmm. they were BFFs. She's very hurt by being left behind, even yeah. though Adora's like, hey, come with me. You're good. Um, and I think she just doesn't really know what to do at the same time she's being granted opportunity in the horde that she sees as like a path to protection, you know? Yeah. Right. So and I a think path to like validation as well. Because there's this there's this very abusive mom figure. Oh yeah. And she just wants her very abusive mom figure to realize that she doesn't suck. And she <laughs> later um kind of re- reclaims a bit of agency yeah. in a in a like face off with her, and I think that was pretty impactful and yes, good. Very much so. Um, yeah, and I can see why people really gravitate towards Katra. Mm-hmm. To be honest, she left me a little colder than I expected. Same. Uh, I don't get why. Like, I I like what they're doing with her, and I can tell that she's heading towards, I guess, a redemption, but like just a turn, like a turn towards healing. Like it, it seems like that's being set up. But I just am not like, oh my, oh my furry child. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm just not feeling that. I'm feeling that way about Adora, but not, not catch her so much. Uh, I don't know. What did you think of her, Julia? Um, like, she's one of those characters that I can see kind of intellectually are a very interesting character, a very well written character, a character with a compelling arc. But yeah, like, the emotional attachment isn't quite as much there as it is for right. some other characters in my life who I will not name. Yeah. And I don't really get why that was either. Cause it was like, yeah, instant no, just like, with me. There's, there's nothing like she's a very well-constructed character. I yes. think it's just because of my particular intersection. I don't know. I, I found her kind I don't of know. obnoxious. I, mean, I yeah. will admit. Um, I mean, it's kind of like, like we have kind of like in the headspace of Adora where she's like, you know, realized certain things. <laughs> And you're like, Katra, why won't you just realize certain things? Right? But. I think, I think what bothered me, I was kind of, I will admit, I was disinclined to become attached to her because of the way she was introduced as being very like, um, like lazy, but also wanting recognition for something she didn't actually accomplish. Yeah. And not, and like lazy is the wrong word. Like she just like doesn't she show up. Like when that and she just doesn't try, so she doesn't fail. Right, she doesn't try. But like our first introduction to her is the um, like the scene where they're all in the battle arena, and Adora Mm -hmm. is like trying really, really hard, and you know wins for her team, and Katra just kind of like shows up at the last second, does one thing, and then expects a lot of like express expects equal praise and recognition. For doing very little, um, and almost seems like upset that she doesn't get the same kind of recognition as Adora. Um, yeah. And like that, like a character, when you create a character like that, like I'm disinclined to be attached to them because I'm like, well, why do you, ex-? like she, she came across as kind of in, like, 
mildly uh, entitled when we first met her. I kind of, yeah, uh, I yeah. have a, a sister who is uh, way more overachieving than I am. I kind of really <laughs> identified with that. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I mean, the, the flashback like, episode yeah, does yeah. get into that, like, where right. that comes from. But right. I think you're right as the first impression. You're like, yeah. what? Um, for me, it was, I think, what Julia's frustration was, where I was kind of just, you have no reason to be with the Horde anymore, yeah. Patrick. Just defend. <laughs> right. Like, I'm not right. getting this. I didn't understand why she stayed either. They didn't yeah. fully, I don't feel like they fully explored her attachment to the Horde. Yeah, and she like really stayed. Like she was. Yeah, she's, she's really in. going after double downing Adora. on everything. Yeah, and you can kind of see that it's okay. The recognition she finally gets. She also viewed rising in ranks as a path towards protection. But I kind of understand that more intellectually than I necessarily feel compelled by it emotionally. Yeah, if that makes exactly. sense. Yeah. So should so, we talk about the ship? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so um, as the token straight around these parts, I'm going to admit that I saw their um, relationship entirely as sibling-like. <laughs> um, it's, like, I mean, maybe maybe it's because of my straight goggles. It's just I I just that was the narrative I kind of assumed that was being told, and like you like, know, like Catra's definitely coded queer. Um. They grew up together. Yeah. And they, they seem and very... And were protective of each other yeah. in that way. But I do also think there's a very legitimate, like, queer tone to it. Like, yeah. like yeah. 100%. Because, uh, you know, it's kind of a... Absence makes the heart grow fonder. They realize what they mean to each other as they're away. It's not really explored overtly enough yet i think where i would totally like if they had started making out in that flashback episode i would have been like what the hell where did this come from you know i do think there needs to be more groundwork laid but i can totally read interest out of it um 100 yep so yeah, well, this is one of those situations where I don't think I'm allowed to say anything. So. No, I mean, I see, I yeah. see where you're coming from, though. I do because yeah. it's always complicated too when it's people growing up together, mm-hmm. right? That have had that dynamic. No, I, 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 I always find like familial drama a lot more compelling than romantic drama, anyway. <laughs> like, yeah, no matter what orientation we're talking about. So, it, it reminds <laughs> me a little bit of people like. This is a bad example, but there are some people who ship the Danvers sisters on Supergirl, mm-hmm. even though that was a very explicit familial dynamic. Yeah. Um, but then there's also people who are like, oh, you can't ship the Danvers sisters, but you can ship, you know, Barry Allen and Iris. I, I don't know, but then Barry and Iris have like the racist people that like don't ship them. It, it's complicated. <laughs> it's, it's really complicated. And sometimes the way attraction develops is complicated. Yeah. I can totally see where you're coming from, Julia, but I also do see romantic undertones. I mean, I'll take your word for it, because you've totally called Korosami. So, <laughs> and I do think oh, yeah. it, I do think a significant part of the romantic undertones come from how strong villain protagonist shipping is. I think, yeah, um, because it's very obviously set up as a villain protagonist ship. Like, it's so fraught. Yeah, you know. And it reminds me of Kim Possible. <laughs> yes. No, that's a really good comparison. I think that, like, it definitely has a similar tone to it, I think. And I have found, I mean, surprisingly, if- I'm less into that than I 
thought I would have been. I mean, if I had to pick, like, an- another fandom dynamic to compare them to, it would probably be, like, Gamora and What's-Her-Face. Nebula? Yeah. Uh... I don't know. Not after Guardians too. I don't. No, I just don't see. Guardians. I don't see it as that familial. I really don't. Okay. But I get. It's not that I don't get where you're coming from, and I do think your mileage is going to vary just how much well, you see villain protagonists as a compelling. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like I banter. Have. I don't. I don't like outright <laughs> attacking the other person. <laughs> like she was ripping her claws into her. I'm like, okay, shipper's gonna ship. Anyway, this segment's way over time. I know. I do I do think they will end up getting together and I'm very happy to see that happen, but yeah, I'm not well, like I mean like I'm not excited to write fic to help that along, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just want to see what the show does. I mean, yeah. yeah, it all depends on what they do. I mean, like again, Korasami, like by the time it happened, it was perfectly natural, you know. But, oh, sure. But if you had told like if you had said, "Oh, like Korra and Asami are going to get together in season 1," I would have been like, "Really?" Totally. <laughs> Um, so let's just, just some brief closing thoughts on it as like a kid's show, cause it's a kid's show. Um, I mean, I really, they I dared really... to have a non-sexualized superhero costume for a woman, so. <laughs> oh my god. Yep. I just like the diversity of character design and yes, personalities. So. Yep. I think that, I think that's one of the better aspects of it. And you know, the, the message is like, hey, let's fight fascism with friends. <laughs> yep. Um, I love Scorpia yes. so oh much. God. She's like Kronk from the Emperor's New Groove, and Kronk is my favorite. I love, I love that episode where she's just like, oh yeah, I'm a princess. Right? Just she casually. Just like, what? She's like, yeah, I got invited to the princess prom. You want to come as my best plus one? I just, I just like love her because she's, yeah, she's so just, earnest. Yeah. yeah, she just wants to be friends. She just wants to be best friends with people. She like, and- pictures. Also, the ongoing joke of, like, what Catra missed at orientation is my favorite thing. (laughs) Yes. That was such, like, I love that joke a lot. Yeah, that was so good. And I like, I do like that there aren't, like, it's all the evil horde. You know, you can see how good people are trapped into this. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, Oh, one. Even just, like, uh, like, good people just, just, like, like, when you grow up in a system like that, like, what does being a good person even mean? Yeah. You're supposed yeah. to find that. Um, the only part that I didn't fully enjoy was um, the whole, like, let go of your friends thing. Um, like, choose your training instead of your friends. Like, it, I don't know. It felt very, like, Star Wars-esque. And it kind of, I don't know. I just feel like that trope is kind of tired. Yeah, they did really kind of don't enjoy with the with the onion juice. Yeah, like, I really get tired of the idea of, like, you must choose your magical destiny over having emotional attachment. Well, I'm pretty sure we're gonna find that we don't agree with the She-Ra line, and we agree with that one She-Ra who, like, broke away. Yeah, that's that's my guess. Just like Luke Skywalker was totally right in The Last Jedi. Right, like, I think it's a little played, but I do think it's at least not going to be taken at face value. So I'm I'm excited to at least see what happens. Yep. Oh, just a ran- random thought for people who might not realize this. Um, Noelle Stevenson was the voice of Spinnerella. <gasps> I didn't know this. Yeah. So, what? yeah. Um, which makes the whole thing about like Spinnerella and Natasha being a cu- couple even better because Noelle <laughs> Stevenson voiced like one of the queer characters on the show. 
That one of the canonically hilarious. queer characters. Oh my god. Because she's queer in real life, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really funny. Follow, the, I recommend following the crew on Twitter. They're like joking with each other, but as we would joke with each other, it's unnerving to see millennials actually running shows. Right. <laughs> and it's great. Uh, yeah, that's it. You should check out Shira. I really can't recommend it enough, yeah. even if I don't feel the same way that Tumblr feels about Katra. I still think she's a good character. Yep. Yay. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, totally agree. There's a really creepy demon baby. Oh my gosh. That demon oh baby God. is so terrifying to me. Wait, what? The little demon baby. The bad guy's what? demon baby. The little flying, like, cherub-looking thing oh, that's like yeah. a demon. God, I was like, I missed an episode. Are you like the ice princess? <laughs> Where it, like, it, like, flies into the room and, like, opens its mouth and then, like, other people's voices come out. It's creepy. Yeah, you're right. The main horde dude has... Has this creepy little demon baby that's like kind of like that is kind of like a Bond villain cat, but it's a little looks like a cherub, but with like bat wings. Is Skeletor from He Man or She Ra? He Man. So what's the She Ra villain called? Horde Man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he has (laughs) a name. Oh my god. Oh gosh, I've forgotten his name. So I remember in the He Man Christmas movie, whatever it was called, (laughs) where She Ra was like, was a backdoor pilot for She Ra. They like kidnapped baby Adora together. <laughs> it was hilarious. Anyway, okay. All right, fun segment time. You want to tell us how you did that? I didn't do anything. All I did was pick up the sword and then whoosh, I'm in a tiara. So what was in your Hanukkah stocking this year for media? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so I have two things to talk about. Yeah. If you want okay. me to go first. I do want you to go first because you seem very eager, Julia. Okay, so my boyfriend and I went to see Aquaman. <laughs> it was the most hilarious experience I've had in quite some time. Is it, like, good? It was not good. Okay. I, I will say that up front. It was not good. Um, oh, DC. Jason Momoa is just wonderful to look at. I will also say that. And just, like, I could sure, look at him for true. two hours. That's fine. But yeah, it was a slog. It was like an hour and 10 minutes. Like I had to go to the bathroom and, but, um, yeah. So, uh, wait, it was an hour and 10 minutes, it was two hours and 10 minutes. Julia, that is really short by like comic book movie standards. Whatever. It was a slog. Uh, Infinity War was three fucking hours. Was it really? I think I went to the bathroom in the middle of Infinity War too. Um, well, just they have those giant like pops at the movie, right? Like it's just like the size of your head and you're like drinking it all before the end of the previews because the previews are so long. But that means soda. Okay. But anyway, so we saw Aquaman. Um, the plot made no sense and it was wonderful. So my favorite part was, um, they're in the middle of the Sahara desert and they're like, they jump out of a plane, like, randomly into the Sahara Desert, which they survive because they can jump into water. I don't know. But then, like, they're in the middle of the Sahara Desert, and they mentioned very explicitly they have no way of getting out. And then the next scene, they're in Sicily. And there's, like, no transition. What? Yeah. And there was this also this thing where they're, like, there was, like, this, like, Atlantis-esque sea kingdom in the Sahara before the Sahara dried out. The Sahara dried out, like, 10,000 years ago. But the clue to find... This place was a statue of Romulus. What? Yeah. Like from Star Trek? No, Romulus, the first king of Rome. Oh, I, I was thinking Romulans. All right. Yeah. And so you're just like 
So they made this clue after the kingdom was destroyed, but the guy left the thing in the kingdom there that was clearly there while it was still in its prime. And you're just like, what's the timeline here? <laughs> um, okay. And there's this whole thing where they have like Nicole Kidman and what's her face. And they have like this, what's his face? The guy's dad. I don't know. I'm sure it's a well-known actor. Um, they have this scene at the beginning where they first meet and they do this like uncanny valley digital de-aging to their face. And it oh, was no, so I hate distracting. That. Oh, like I was sitting there just like asking my boyfriend, like what's wrong with his face <laughs> for like 10 minutes at the beginning of the movie. And oh, that's so bad. They have these like fish people because apparently only the highborn Atlanteans can breathe both air and water and the Hoi can only breathe water. So the what? soldiers have these like, like, uh, astronaut suits, but the astronaut suits have water in them. And there, there's one part where this guy can't breathe, so he sticks his head into a toilet. <laughs> yeah. Is this a comedy? Um, I don't know. But yeah, the, there was also like, like, you know how it's, obligatory in every comic movie that you have to like go to a historical like you have to go to like a place where people live and like just fuck it up yeah so they, they fucked up this like, like one, sarcovia yeah they fucked up this one village in sicily and there was all these like running across rooftops with all those like tiles going everywhere and there is this like comical thing where like they started fighting in front of this like sicilian grandma and there was this like whole thing where there was this like wine shop and the like love interest magical power was that she can like manipulate. She was like a waterbender, so she like waterbended the wine. It was not good. It was not good. Okay, so what else did you have as a Christmas present? Julia? <laughs> okay, so there's this little comedy on Netflix called Dairy Girls, and apparently it was like the biggest thing ever in Northern Ireland last year. Oh yeah, you were telling me about that. Yeah, it's 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 like six half hour episodes. Like you can watch it in an evening, but it's just about these like this like group of friends in Derry slash London Derry. Oh my gosh, how controversial in the nineties in Northern Ireland, and it's just like them doing teenagery things. Like there is this one thing where they like uh, they steal the bulletin board from a fish and chip shop and they accidentally uh. burn it down. Like it's just like antics and. But, like, it's all kind of, like, set like, up against the backdrop of the Troubles in a way that's, like, like there, but also not there because they're just, like, a bunch of teenagers, you know? And it's just hysterical. Like, I, like, it's the kind of laughing that, like, actually hurts your ribs the next day, you know? You wake up and you're like, ow, why do my ribs hurt? And uh, the guy who played Barry the Scary is in it, uh, Ian <gasps> Nick something. Miguel Mc, McKellen? Yeah, Ian McKellen. He, he is the crotchety old grandpa, and his joke is that he absolutely hates his son-in-law, and he's always like, why don't you just leave my daughter alone? And the dad's like, we've been married for 15 years, and we have two children, and we love each other. <laughs> and it's like a running gag that he just tells him to shut up. It's it's just, and the mom is hilarious, and they're all like talking like with these like Ulster accents. It's, it's very like, kind of like, you know, quaint Ian Irish. Mc L in in McCallany. It's like it's like the way they talk is so Irish. It's wonderful. And okay. there's there's nuns. There's nuns. They go to a school run by nuns, and there's this one nun named Sister Michael who is the best. I love her. Oh my god, Joya and nuns. Yeah, I love nuns. What can I say? Did you definitively rank the nuns? Well, there's only really the nun. Well, there's the one nun, and then there's the because in the first episode they are in detention, and then the nun who's looking after them dies. 
<laughs> she, she was, she was uh, 98 and she dies. I just feel like I don't have context for yeah. this. I, I'm telling you, this is hysterical. It's called Dairy Girls. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. Okay. Uh, Gretchen, were you naughty or nice with me? Did the, yeah. did the media that you watched make the naughty or nice list? There you go. Um, well, my parents wanted to watch a bunch of racist movies from the 40s. Um, Jesus Christ. What specifically, what racist movies from the 40s do they want to watch? Um, they're, oh gosh. Um, Live and let die. Charlie Chan movies. Uh, they're these like, um, it's, it's like yellow washed, you know, like. Yellow face? Yellow, it's yellow face. It's really, oh, they're God. really terrible. Like they're from the 40s and like all of the non-white characters are stereotypes and all of the women are either, you know, seductive or like virginal fainting <laughs> helpless it's it's really they're really bad but according to my mom they're like but they're wholesome because there's no sex or swearing or violence so it's fine um Unless so okay. there's a just, lot of violence um yeah they're bad they're really really <laughs> bad so i would just play on my phone and not pay attention um but uh, the good thing is I discovered – I'm sure there are other people who have been watching this show for a while. But I discovered Shit's Creek and <laughs> it's Canadian. delightful. It's Canadian. It's delightful. <laughs> I love it so much. So much. It's great. Um, the premise is very like Arrested Development-like and the first season kind of has those vibes um, where it's a really re- wealthy family who's – like business manager like embezzles all of their money and the government comes and like seizes all their funds and the Isn't only there thing that they're le- for that like can't you insure yourself against employees embezzling for you I don't know um but they lose all their money and the only asset that they're left is this town this really small podunk town called Shits Creek so they have <laughs> to move there yeah and they bought it because the name was funny right yeah and they had bought it like the dad had bought it for his son because it was a funny name um, and so they have to move into like the roadside motel in this really small town and they're, you know, very wealthy, like Hollywood-esque, you know, like the mom was like a former TV star, um, and yeah. the dad like owned his own business. And then the two kids are like really like privileged, you know, little shits, privileged little shits. Like, <laughs> and the first season of the show is basically just like them being awful, um, and it's really funny, but what I really like about it is that it evolves over time because I feel like Arrested growth? Development, um, like didn't really create space for character growth. Um, but Shit's Creek, like the characters like grow and they learn how to be better people, but it's still really funny. Like they, it's just because they like, create space for like heartwarming like emotionally honest moments or even like really beautiful moments of like character growth and development doesn't mean it's not funny anymore like it's really it's still really funny um and that was i just love it and season five is currently airing and i am like super antsy to watch it because it's great it's delightful um Doc Holliday from Winona Earp is one of the minor characters, and it's very weird. Yeah, every Canadian actor is in it at least one point. Yeah. It's one of those shows. 
Yep. Yeah, like I'll see people and I'm like, oh, oh, they were in an episode of Winona Earp. That's what I've seen them on. <laughs> or like some other random Canadian show. Yeah, it's like it's like British television where like you see mm-hmm. one person and you're like, oh, I've seen them in like five things before. Yeah. Um, but it's it is really really funny. Um, yeah, I want to check this out. Yeah, like the the son is um pansexual and has a really cool has like some really cool arc. Um, he's my favorite. David is my favorite, and it's a and it's a Jewish family, so it's um, probably will love it. Yes, I'm not guaranteed to like Jewish rap. I don't like Friends or like fucking Willow and Buffy's scripting. Um, it's not like a major part of their scripting, but there is a really funny episode where like one of the townspeople wants to start a business that's bagels, and so he's talking to the dad and is like, you know, <laughs> like. Because you like bagels. Because. <laughs> but did you like Montreal bagels or because, New York bagels? Like, and he, he just like Montreal can't say bagels. it. And then the, what do you mean like, nobody likes Montreal bagels? They're clearly superior. Okay. But like, like the, this one character like is like, well, you know, you like bagels because you're, you know, and the guy's like, cause I'm a Jew. The guy's like, well, I didn't think I could say that. It's a very funny <laughs> moment. Um, it's, it's the humor is very like, it's great. Um, I will check it out for sure. Yeah, it's funny. Highly recommend okay. it. What about you, Kylie? I traveled to the East Coast to visit family, and there was only one thing I watched mm-hmm. this holiday like season, and that was Fuller House season four. <laughs> I'm sorry. Which I- I can safely say as a lump of coal, uh, I actually have a review of it that I, I guess it will already be up on the website. Um, what about bisexual Stephanie Tanner? Doesn't that make up for everything? Oh my god, yeah, kind of, because there's this moment where Jodie Sweeten, who plays Stephanie, decides to just troll Candace Cameron Burr and just like ad-lib this line hinting at her bisexuality filtered through a very like straight lens because that's the show but they just decided to leave it in because it got a big laugh and you can see candace cameron do like a triple take <laughs> and the person on jody sweeten's other side just lose it it's so bisexual stephanie tanner confirmed i mean it was a punchline but it's confirmed yeah which on this show this show like the writers are repressed. They have something to say about gayness, but I, I just don't know what. However, do they the know one- what? No, <laughs> they just like making jokes, I guess. But the one good thing that came out of this uh, <laughs> was I binge watched it over like two days because I wanted to be done it before I went home. And it seeped into my mind. So then I started adding a laugh track, like a live studio audience to things I would say. So I was... I don't know, packing, and then, like, I would make some corny joke to Griffin and then be like, ha, 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 ha. And then he started to, like, get annoyed by it, so I'd have to go, aww. <laughs> and then there was one time that, like, we just hadn't been doing it for a while, and he forgot about it, and we just, like, kissed, and I went, woo! And he oh just got gosh. so mad. So that was, like, completely worth this. the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and there's I also what I did, like I walked over to him at one point after he like stormed away from my laugh track and I was like, "You know, Griffin, I was thinking I wasn't really thinking about your feelings when I was getting carried away with the laugh track. It's just 
it felt so good to be reminded of the nostalgia of watching these shows that had studio audiences when I was a kid, but it's not really a laugh track unless you're laughing too. Oh my gosh. And he was like so angry. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was my holiday media experience. Do with that what you will. <laughs> you got to troll Griffin. <laughs> Which I is like of 90% of our relationship. Yeah, anyway. I was approved so. of trolling Griffin. Yeah, that, that, there you go. That's what I did. I do not recommend Full House. I mean, do you think it's better or worse than Aquaman? I think I would rather watch Aquaman based on what you described. Um, But yeah, I guess that that's our fun segment. Our last segment, we're going to just be talking about general, like, fandom-y things? Questions of media? I don't know. Let's find out. Let's. I mean, his clinic was only open for like three weeks. And I had a girlfriend longer than that. So I got an ask to my LOK gifts and musings, and, and bless you, anyone who's still sending me asks like that. I do check it, but I post so rarely. That was, uh, what's your opinion on Darren Chris saying he's no longer accepting gay roles in order not to take them away from gay actors? I've seen people celebrating it, and I understand his reasoning behind it, but it doesn't really sit right with me that now he's basically a straight actor refusing to play gay characters. And for anyone who doesn't know, Darren Chris is the guy who played Blaine on Glee, uh, which is a very well-known gay role, I guess. And his direct quote is, there are certain queer roles that I'll see that are just wonderful, but I want to make sure I won't be another straight boy taking away a gay man's role. Hmm. Uh, so, so this is interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, the the one kind of huge example I can think of is Neil Patrick Harris, Harris, a gay man who was playing like a wonderfully toxically masculine character for many years on How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. And the first question would be like, does it work the other way? Because like, that sits really, like the idea of it working the other way around sits really badly with me that like gay men could only play gay men, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't think that's the argument yeah. being made. I think no, it's that, probably, you know. But like, because I, I think you can make a distinction between like, you know, a white actor taking an actor of color's role. Like, cause like, right. because it's a lot, like, you can't see that somebody's gay, but you can see that someone's black, right? Yeah. Sure. Or like, or like Scarlett Johansson being cast yeah. in yeah. pretty much any of the roles that she's been cast in recently. <laughs> Jesus, Scarlett. Um, I totally see where he's coming yeah, from. Yeah, I, I do. But he wants to make sure those like marginalized individuals get the opportunity to play roles. Right. And it is true that it's difficult. Ain't, but like gay, gay, gay men especially have been playing straight men. Like kind of it's kind of a stereotype. <laughs> You know, at this point, straight men aren't the ones who are marginalized. So what does it I, I, matter if yeah, someone's taking I know, their but roles? But just like, like, just that, like, the idea that like you can't play someone of a different sexual orientation because, like, or, or like, I don't know, it's just something, something. But like, because I totally get, like, you know, like this whole Scarlett Johansson thing, or even like, you know, like trans women being played by cis men. I, I get how that's a, an issue. That should be remedied. Well, that, that is especially an issue. Yeah, because- like that—that that, like totally makes sense to me. But for some reason, like yeah. a straight man playing a gay man does not sit with me the same way. Hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah. I'm not sure why, but just... I had a weird reaction to this, yeah. to be perfectly honest. Um, like, are you saying that straight men can't relate to gay men or something? Like, I've also struggled with this question, to be honest, yeah. about uh, Gentiles playing Jewish roles. Mm-hmm. So, like, the marvelous Miss Maisel is, you know, it, it, it's a non-Jewish character playing the Jewish lead. And, like... To me, the authenticity, or Ruby Rose with Batwoman, yeah. to me, the authenticity comes from the writer's room. At the same time, I don't think in the case of, like, race, uh, you know, ethnic groups in, in some senses, understanding that Jewish is, Jewishness is a, a religious ethno-identity, ethno-religious identity, um, I, I don't think you can really, like, sub in and out and just pretend those experiences don't influence performance in some way like that's that's not optional but there's always a line to this like because there's no problem with like say like a german actor playing an italian character sure so like where do we draw the line here you know like what like what is appropriative and what isn't like in terms of these categories because like is race the only thing that matters like no i don't I don't honestly know how to feel about no. this because I, mean, I always think no, about the... There's um, no clearly no clean answer here. So I think part of the difficulty is, for me or a part of what complicates the issue mm-hmm. is that like I think it's really admirable mm-hmm. for Darren Chris to say this. The thing is like he has no control over who the cast um, who like the casting crew eventually hires. Okay. Um, so it's one of those things that's like a really nice gesture, but I'm not really sure what it does in terms of like, in terms of practicality, because if what he wants is to say like, I want to create space for other, for like actual Mm -hmm. queer people to be playing queer characters, like, and like what he consent to play a Dumbledore. Who is a gay character, but absolutely nothing on screen reflects that. <laughs> and, like, to me, it's the, like, that's one thing for you to say it. Yeah. But you actually, like, he actually has no control over who is eventually hired to play that role. Um, so, like. Well, I, I guess he's, like, his statement is that he's not going to be part of the problem here. Right, right. So, like, and I think that that's, that's, that's two different things. Like, it's mm-hmm. one thing to say, like, good for him. In wanting to take that stance and believing that, like, there are certain roles that should be, like, own voice should be played by someone who is, um, you know, someone of that marginality. I think that that's, like, a noble idea for an actor um, to say, like, it. I don't want to contribute to, like, the marginalization of, you know, people playing characters in from their own perspective. I think that's great. Um, I'm not sure, like that that is something like i think that's something that individual actors can do i'm not mm-hmm. sure that we can make like a blanket statement about like whether or not it's okay to play someone who's different than yourself yeah you know that's like true. that's that's the difference it would literally be discriminatory to make a blanket rule you right know? Mm-hmm. right and so that's like that to me there are two separate things going on there is like it's one thing for an actor to say i'm no longer going to contribute to like i don't want to get i see this as a problem and I don't want to contribute to it, so I'm going to, like, make a personal stance. Mm-hmm. But we can't – I'm not sure we can extrapolate from that and say that, like, 
only queer actors can play queer characters mm-hmm. or like only like well like the problem is usually you know, that like it's perfectly like, the problem is usually that like a character is a white man by default and if he's anything else it has to be like justified somehow right Right. right, or like open ethnicity mm-hmm. calls are always always, always go to white, white actors. Yeah. Right, right. There are bigger, yeah. yeah. There are bigger issues. At, like the bigger problem is the the lack of representation of mm-hmm. these characters existing, and that's something that like needs to be addressed separately than him taking a stance in this way. Also, I'm sorry. I think we do have to treat sexuality different from race or ethnicity mm-hmm. in this case, because basically what he's advocating is that actors need to out themselves to take gay roles. That's true. Yeah. So and that's, that's mm-hmm. not, that's not practical. Yeah. And, and could, I, could a I bi am, man play a gay man? Right. That's the other thing that you get to, because people are jumping on like Ruby Rose is not a lesbian, so she shouldn't be playing Kate Kane. Like yeah. that was actually an argument made. And I really, really, really don't like the idea of, treating sexuality as such a difference that mm-hmm. an actor could not an actor is played to play someone that they paid to play someone they are not right like where do we draw the line on that we instantly went towards race and trans uh representation mm-hmm. and i think that's a good conversation to have but like let's go into something that's more nitpicky like can someone who doesn't have a background as a drug addict play someone who is a drug addict on TV, mm-hmm. you know, like mm. all these things were just like really hyper focusing on it. And I don't think it's constructive to treat sexuality, which is just who we'd rather fuck. That's what it comes down to. I don't think that's constructive to treat it as this like special thing that's innate to your identity and all this. It's a, it, it is a preference. I'm not saying it's changeable and I mean, it, it it's, should be, it's but. so important to people's identity, like mostly because it's so marginalized. Yes. And it's a political identity for that yeah, reason. Right. And I get it, but at the same time, I don't get it. And I've never really gotten it making fronting a center of like one's identity. And I say this as a queer woman. Right. Yeah, and I am also a queer woman, and it is not this central aspect of my identity. Um, when I ID'd as a lesbian for the couple years I did, because sexuality is real confusing, it wasn't front and center for me. It was just like, okay, this is my preference. Mm-hmm. I also like chunky peanut butter instead of smooth. Yeah, duh. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, it, it, there is something a little bit like, only gays could play gays. Like, yeah. what? I mean, I'm just trying to think about why it is different. It, it's not. I mean, like, like in a perfect universe, oh, oh, oh. like, you would have... No, it, it, no, it's because, like, the default is a white dude, right? Like, in a perfect universe, like, you know, like, 50% of the time, you would have somebody who's white man in the comic be played by, like, a black man in the movie and vice versa, right? And it wouldn't be an issue, like in a perfect post-racial universe. But because that never happens, and half the time when the guy is black in the comic, he's white in the movie, you know. Oh, you're saying why is sexuality different from race? Yeah, well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to unpack race. (laughs) Race is not a preference. Yeah, I know. I just don't like the idea that the experience of falling in love with someone of the same gender is so weird and different that no one else could possibly play it. Yeah, like that just. That cre- that's that's gross to me. Like I wonder yeah, if I for an actor it's any different than like, you know, working with somebody of the gender you are attracted to who you happen not to be attracted to. I I can't imagine that it would be any different than that in my opinion. Like my I if I were, you know, if I were an actor, it that would be how I would think of it is like yeah. I am 
being paid to convincingly portray being in love with this human being mm-hmm. yeah. that I am not like, actually in love with, regardless of, like, to me, it's like, regardless of the other person's gender, like, the other person's gender doesn't, like, change the requi- job requirement. If the movie was, like, about the struggle for gay civil rights, yeah, it would be a little more important to have that representation in the actors more than if it was, like, you know, a romantic comedy or something like that. You know, like, I mean... Yes, but again, these are actors. Yeah, I know, but... Like, to me, there is a very clear difference between... Especially, like, let's take trans roles going to cis actors. Mm -hmm. The danger there is that when you have cis men playing trans women, that perpetuates the idea that trans women are not really women, but men in disguise. And that leads to violence. Yeah. So, like... That, I think you really do have to work to get trans individuals into trans roles. That's ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Don't put cis men into those roles. That's really bad. Yep. And I think we can look at that and say, hey, we really need authenticity in this role. Yeah. Rather than like, it's just not that complicated to pretend to be in love with someone else. They have to, most rom-coms don't have leads that are actually in love with each other. And when they do, they usually are worse. Yeah. <laughs> even if it's not a rom-com, like, yeah. even if it's a, a high drama with a, ro- a tragic romantic element to it, I don't think that it needs to be played by people who have actually experienced this kind of gripping love before. You know, they're actors. This is what they do. Right. Cause I can, I can sympathize with the audience members who want queer actors to play queer characters. And I think. To me, a huge part of it has to do with the way the actor approaches playing that role. Totally. Um, mm. You know, like, I think that a lot of the frustration sometimes, especially, you know, since I'm a queer woman, so that's what I know, um, with, like, straight <laughs> women playing queer women is that um, you can sometimes get actors who are very dismissive or even, like, um, you know, who, like, don't understand how important the role is or mm. or they lean um, into stereotypes like let's right with every woman right um and some of it has to do with the writing of said characters so yeah, like totally. i can sympathize like i really really do that's the thing like i really do sympathize with the desire to have queer i think to me it makes and i'm going to make this distinction it makes more sense for queer women than it does for queer men because we've had so many more gay male characters over the years. Um, and there are a lot of gay men in Hollywood, um, openly mm-hmm. gay men in Hollywood who play both gay and straight roles. Um, yeah. that that seems like mm-hmm. less of an issue than, um, like queer women, one, because we haven't had as many roles for queer women and two, because there aren't as many out queer women in Hollywood who have been allowed the flexibility of playing like, queer women and straight women the way that men have yeah that's true i think it's that's like a, after that's the like, fact yeah i think that's a big distinction that needs to once be made. a female actor comes out as gay she's typecast as like or the gay even one. if she's straight and in queer roles hey yeah. hey actually any um any women who are interested in women listening to this podcast right now i'm about to ruin your life natasha leone is straight Who's Natasha Leone? She, she was in But I'm a Cheerleader. She was in Orange is the New Black. She's oh, really? very good in the role she's in and very oh. queer in the role she's in. And uh, to me, like, I'm sorry, but 
it's it's like a Schrodinger's box kind of thing. The validation mm-hmm. shouldn't be any less, right? Right. Because it's the writing and it's the portrayal and it's what it means to you and it's what you take away. But like people, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sympathetic. I'm guessing to- that she has quite a bit of empathy for gay women then. Right. You know? yeah. <laughs> right. Or or like uh, Kate Blanchett has come under criticism uh, lately be- before the, the queer roles that she's taken with um, yeah. what, Carol. Ca- Carol and then Ocean's 8, I think. There were undertones. Carol. And- <laughs> I'm- Carol. Right. I mean, that movie came out right when we developed that joke. So, Gretchen, I think you're right in that there's been more difficulty for um, lesbian and bisexual women to get roles and to get Mm -hmm. into the door Mm -hmm. as actors. There's also been fewer characters for us to look to and fewer actors for us to look to. I mean, like, Jodie Foster came out, what, five years ago? Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, it's recent, you know? Yep. So I'm sympathetic to where that desire comes from. I still happen to think it's misplaced and the focus should be on the writer's room. And I also think we can acknowledge that casting for race and ethnicity is very complicated because like laws, basically I would love it if people, I mean, it's not just because of laws in my opinion, but well, sure. And it's like, what is the role of an actor? And at what point do we need to like it's it's authenticity versus like just really the stay in your lane no one else could understand kind of stuff and i think i think there's a difference between ethnicity and sexuality with regards to that for the reason that sexuality is a preference like it's just it's different than being born into something right yeah yep and I, I don't know. That's I've never liked the whole born this way messaging. I don't like that everyone is rushing to find the very specific label that suits them. Like early now, I'm seeing teenagers go through this because there's a big resurgence of identity politics. And I, I get why and I politically get why. And it's very validating to find a box that works for you. But oh, yes. there's also a lot of anxiety when you realize that box may not be accurate. Right. And I don't know. I think it's just because I'm a little bit on the older side of the millennials. I'm just like, I'm less into it. So yeah, yeah. That's that's my spiel. I don't know. I just got this ask, and I was like, I have such complicated feelings on this. I don't really know how to answer you. <laughs> I yeah, like I just think that like these kind of categories that we as a society have constructed that are ultimately arbitrary, but clearly extremely meaningful mm-hmm. because of the way that society works it's just like yeah like like people don't fit neatly into boxes like this no, they don't <laughs> well it's not like we really have a recommendation it's just no. shit's complicated and i don't feel good about treating gayness as something super special that's all i really don't right. i've never liked that yeah <sighs> and and i understand the people who do and i think like i think i right it's one of those situations where like i have a lot of sympathy for where the other side is coming from. And yeah. like, if that became like hiring policy, I wouldn't like rail against it. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if, if they, if Hollywood decided to, to only cast like queer people in queer roles, like I wouldn't like say it was the worst decision that Hollywood has ever made. First, you have to fix it so that it's safe for everybody to come out. Right. Exactly. Like, <laughs> if it were safe for people to come out, yeah. then, like, cool, that'd be great. Um, so first, fix society, and then we could do that. 
Right. <laughs> um, in an ideal world, like, yeah. we could totally do that. And I think that it's, and it's, and I do, and I do think there are certain roles that I would be much more comfortable with someone who is actually queer playing that role. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. like if it is some kind of, not biopic, but like what Julia was saying, if, if yeah. the, exploration of that identity was the focal point yes. of the piece of media for sure right and this and it's the same way i feel about um uh writing like writing books it, it, it's like you know you can cast Tyrion lannister as like a black man but you can't cast him as not a little person you know because that's fundamental to his identity but like whether or not he's black or white really isn't oh right yeah yeah, yeah. you can cast the role the role of <laughs> yeah. of Tyrion Lannister can be open to all ethnicities, but his, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We have to reserve the black roles for slavers who know <laughs> cock merchants. Oh my gosh! Um, I mean, Song of Ice and Fire isn't much better in this regard. So, right, yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, I like it's an issue that it I think is difficult to just have like one like broad sweeping like blanket yeah. approach to it. Um. I don't think that that's helpful to say to like go that route. Um, so that's more where I come from. Anyway, we, this is complicated and we don't have clean answers to any of this, obviously, but let us know what your thoughts are to straight men taking gay roles, I guess. That's the topic, right? Yeah. <laughs> or, just, yeah. or just in general, what to do with this this stay in your lane mm. mentality of casting. Yeah. It's a complicated one. Mm-hmm. It is. These are complicated matters. And some lanes are more well-defined than others. Yes. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So on that note, because that was rather pithy, let's uh, wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue to visit thefandomentalist.com for all of our ratings. And we will have like more episodes for you of this podcast. I just can't tell you exactly when, <laughs> but it's coming. It's totally coming. Just like Winds mm-hmm. of Winter. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I'll read Fire and Blood. <laughs> I'm No. Don't make me do that. I'm gonna it's I'm gonna fine. do a um, I even read Duncan Egg. I've read the graphic novels. Oh read Duncan Egg then. Duncan Egg is fun. Yeah. And I'm actually like I have a piece in the in the pipeline on um things worth knowing from Fire and Blood for people who don't want to read the entire like six hundred yes, page. Yes, thank book. you. Secrets and Scarby I'm gonna do a recap of like yeah. here here are the things that you need to know. So Yay, that's yeah. coming. Okay. I'm excited because I'm definitely not going to read it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to do supplemental a Song of Ice and Fire material at this point. I'm just so burned out on the fandom as it is. Mm, it's true. Anyway, yep. Uh, thank you guys so much for your patience and your support. And we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. Bye. The dragon's daughter three. What happened to the dragon's daughters one and two? Tragically, they went down in flames. How did that happen? I set them on fire. Adventure!